Please be seated. And uh, you can turn in your programs to page 13 or your Bibles. We're looking at the Gospel of Matthew. He was a biographer of Jesus. And we're reading his account of the resurrection. Matthew 28. Have you ever known someone who seems unshakable? Someone who is so secure in the face of danger, no matter what uncertainties come, they don't seem to shake. Maybe a family member who's been like a rock of stability in tough times. Or maybe a coach that guides the team through the highs and lows of the season. Or a colleague who seems to calm everyone down when the competition heats up. One of the most unshakable lives I know of is civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. This week, I actually did some research on how Dr. King responded to all the threats of his life, and there were many, but here's a sampling. One time, a mentally ill woman stabbed Dr. King 10 times with a letter opener. His response? Quote, I have no ill will. I hope she gets the help she needs to be a free and constructive member of society. People bombed Dr. King's home. They attacked it with bricks and bullets and bombs while his family was inside. After one such attack, he told his supporters this, I want you to love our enemies. Be good to them, love them, and let you know that you love them. During Dr. King's speeches, people often heckled him, fired bullets in the air, and made bomb threats. During one such occasion, he responded with these words, However difficult it is to continue to live with the, uh, the continued existence of racism, the constant hurt, the constant insult, and the constant disrespect, I can still sing, we shall overcome. Now, 50 years after Dr. King, we have our own threats, don't we? The mental health crisis that is affecting especially the youth. We've got climate change that are making natural disasters worse. We have inflation that is making it harder to make ends meet. What about gun violence in Chicago and all over the country? Never seems to end. And what about the conflicts that seem to be getting worse? The conflicts in our families, the conflicts in society. Not to mention, is ChatGPT going to take our jobs? Now, in the face of these threats, we could freeze up, right? We could worry about how terrible things are going to get to our loved ones, to our children, to our world. But what if we be could become unshakable like Dr. King? What if you and I could have security on the inside when there are threats on the outside? And what if we could face danger and even our own deaths with courage? The truth of Easter Sunday is that we can because Jesus overcame his death to secure our life. When Jesus rose from the dead, he secured people who were scared out of their minds. They were scared because they watched Jesus die. They watched him get tortured. He was their friend. He was their leader. He was their whole world. And when he rose from the dead, his number one message that he gave to them was, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You have nothing to be afraid of. And they went from scared to unshakable overnight. Let's watch him do just that. 
Matthew 28, verse 1, tells the story. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Now, imagine tiptoeing your way through a graveyard before the sunrise. You don't really want to be surprised for any reason. Right? You're looking for Jesus' tomb, but they discovered something else. Verse 2 says that an angel of the Lord descended from heaven of all the things to discover in a graveyard. And not, not to mention that an earthquake shakes the place where Jesus was buried. And in fact, the angel rolled away the stone from where Jesus was buried, and then he sat on it. Now, burial stones in that time was not a smooth, round, rollable surface. It was actually most of them were between 2,000 and 4,000 pounds, and they were shaped like a cube to completely plug and be sealed around the entrance to the tomb so no one can get in. This angel is stronger than any man on earth, any woman on earth. Not to mention that he was intensely bright. He was, uh, as uh, Matthew says, like lightning, like white as snow. So it's no wonder that in verse 4, you know, the guards who see this lose their nerve. And these are some of the toughest men in Roman society. And they're armed to the teeth. And they're scared. Why? Because this angel is a fearsome, muscular, miraculous messenger of the Lord. And here's the twist in verse 5. Verse 5 says, But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was, uh, who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Look, the angel hasn't come to scare them. He's come to secure them. He says, don't be afraid. That's the whole point of the earthquake. The whole point of the stone getting removed. The, the whole point of the angel's dazzling appearance. The whole point of the empty tomb. They all say the same thing. You don't have to be afraid of death anymore. And if we're not afraid of death, what can we be afraid of? The power of God is greater than death and armed soldiers and large stones that guards uh, the uh, entrance to a grave. The angel says, don't be afraid. And then guess what? He gives them a job, which is kind of the first thing to go when we're afraid. We lose our capacity to act, right? And so he gives them something to do. Verse 7, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. Look, this was a dangerous message in that time. To say that Jesus has been risen from the dead, it was tantamount to saying he's king, he's Lord, and that you don't have to be afraid of Caesar, you don't have to be afraid of the Roman Empire, you don't have to be afraid of the religious authorities because Jesus is the one who rules over them all. That could get you killed. And not only that, the... Um, this message was given to women, and in the ancient culture, they would not have respected the testimony of a woman, that, especially that Christ was risen from the dead. So these women were facing some big odds. Yet I appreciate how they acted with courage. Notice how Matthew captures like the mixed emotions in verse 8. So they departed. The women departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. Fear and great joy. Now here's the experience of someone answering God's call with courage, right? 
fear because you're actually running toward the danger rather than away from the danger. You're running toward the fire, not away from the fire. But joy because you know that God is turning the tide. Now, maybe Martin Luther King Jr. had his fair share of fear and great joy along the way of running towards the fire in answer to God's call in his life. Maybe you have experienced some fear and great joy in your life as you have said yes to God, even though it seems dangerous. In any case, along the way to answering God's call on their life, I think these women can use some encouragement. Amen? And they get that encouragement. We can read about it in verse 9. Behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. (laughs) And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. These women are running back from the tomb, their hearts pounding. And Jesus appears out of nowhere. Hello, friends, greetings. And they're so glad to see him. They're so relieved. They're so filled with awe. And they fold with awe and joy and fear. And they bow at his feet. They cling to his feet. Now, what are Jesus's first words to these women? He's repeating the angels. Verse 10, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And don't forget your job. You have one job, and that is to go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now, it's one thing, isn't it, to hear from someone, don't be afraid, and they've never faced what you have to face. Like, calm down, it's no big deal. Well, you wouldn't know. But Jesus suffered one of the cruelest deaths known to mankind, and he faced a spiritual torment much greater than we could understand from a physical perspective. And he didn't come out of the grave saying, oh, it's so scary in there. He didn't say, "Um, my death was so terrible. I hope you never have to go through that. He came out of the graves just saying, don't be afraid. You have nothing to be afraid of. Why? Because he's changed death forever. He broke the foundations of the grave. He broke the foundations of death. He broke its authority. And he's actually now Lord over death. And so Jesus actually overcame death. Why? To secure our life, to secure their life, to secure my life, and to secure your life. Now, maybe you're here and you're skeptical about whether this account is real history or not. I said biographer earlier, and maybe inside you're like, yeah, yeah, right. This is wishful thinking here. A one common objection to the resurrection of Jesus is the allegation that his disciples fabricated this, this account. And that they were kind of in denial, like cognitive dissonance, no way that it could happen. Um, and so they made up a story about it and they just made up a, a, a conspiracy that like, we're going to pretend he was alive, even though he really wasn't. Now, if you suspect that that might be true, here's something for you to consider. Um, and this is historically verifiable evidence. After Jesus died, his disciples did disperse and they hid behind closed doors. They barricaded themselves in um, fear that their lives would end. They believed that anyone who was crucified was accursed by God, and so they abandoned the a movement altogether. And then nearly overnight, something changed. The same people went from cowardly to courageous. They actually bolted from their bolted doors, and they went out with the message that Jesus died, yet is now alive, and that he overcame his death to secure our life. And they did that to their own peril. Um, Philosopher and historian J.P. Moreland described the price that these uh, men and women were willing to pay to deliver that message. Quote, 
Uh, the earliest, or they, the earliest followers of Jesus often went without food, slept exposed to the elements, were ridiculed, beaten, imprisoned. And finally, most of them were executed in torturous ways. The apostles were willing to die for something that they had seen with their own eyes and touched with their own hands. And people will not die for beliefs they know to be false. Listen, if you know that in your gut that you've made something up, you will eventually crack in the face of pain and death. And not one of them cracked. Why? Because they had actually met the risen Jesus. And he made them unshakable. He filled their souls and their bodies with peace. And they were unafraid of death after they met him, after they ate with him, after they prayed with him, after he rose again. He made them unshakable and secure and bold. He overcame his death to secure their life. And they had a secure life no matter what the world threw at them. So even in the face of their own death, they stood firm. Here's an offer that Jesus made to people feeling very insecure about their life. These are the words of Jesus. He says this in a different biography, the uh, uh, Gospel of John. He says, I give you my own peace, and my gift is nothing like the peace of this world. You must not be distressed, and you must not be daunted. There are many rooms in my Father's house. It is true that I am going away to prepare a place for you, but it is just as true that I am coming again to welcome you into my own home so that you may be where I am. In other words, when we trust him in this life, Jesus Christ will be there in our death saying, don't be afraid. I've got a place prepared for you and it's better than you can imagine. It's an unshakable home in an unshakable city with an unshakable inheritance. We will be together, you and I. There will be a room for you and many, many others. Now that promise of Jesus stabilized his early followers and it has stabilized many, many others who have turned to Jesus in a moment of insecurity. At the very beginning of the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King Jr.'s phone rang. It was midnight. On the other end was a menacing voice, hateful. We are tired of you and your mess now. And if you aren't out of this town in three days, we're gonna blow your brains out and blow up your house. Click. Dr. King sits at his kitchen table. He's flooded with anxiety. One biographer records his prayer. Uh, the biographer, Stephen Oates, said he put his hands, head in his hands, and bowed over the table. Oh, Lord, he prayed aloud. I'm down here trying to do what's right. But, Lord, I must confess that I'm weak now. I'm afraid. The people are looking to me for leadership. And if I stand before them without the strength and courage, they too will falter. I'm at the end of my powers. I have nothing left. I can't face it alone. And he sat there with his, with his head in his hands and, and tears in his eyes. And then he heard the risen Lord speak words deep in his inner man. To the depths of his being, he heard these words. Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness. Stand up for justice, stand up for truth, and lo, I will be with you even unto the end of the world. And he promised, the Lord did, never to leave him alone. Martin Luther King Jr. would say he promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. And when he heard those words, a calm filled his whole being. 
He actually stopped shaking. He had been shaking up to that moment. And he realized that he could stand up without any fear of the threats of the bombs and the bullets and the bricks and the menacing voices at midnight. And he knew that Jesus Christ had secured his life and that no matter what happened, God had allowed it and that it was going to be okay. And he gave Dr. King that peace, which is unlike any peace that you can get from anything else in this world that could secure you. And that whatever threats he faced, he did not face them alone. And when it came for Dr. King to offer up his own life on the morning that he was killed, our Lord was there to take him home to his unshakable city where a place was prepared. Now back to the present. It's no accident that you and I are here in this moment right now. It's no accident that we're here in this city for such a time as this. It's no accident that he's allowed you and I to face the challenges that are right in front of us. Now, if you could sit down at the kitchen table, like Dr. King did, and, and just pour your troubles out to the risen Lord, what would you tell him about? What are you facing? What do you need? What's shaking you? The truth is that he would listen to you he would hear you out. He's alive today, my friend. He cares about what you're going through. And he offers to take care of everything, to take care of you. Now, it's a totally different experience to face all the challenges in front of us, knowing that the future is secure from someone who has secured it, who's taking care of the future. And I just want to ask you this question. Can you imagine running toward the fire rather than away from it? Running toward the, the mental health crisis affecting our youth rather than running away from it and worrying about it. Running toward the, the climate crisis, if you're called to, to contribute to that, um, rather than running away from it and worrying about it. Running towards the conflicts that rage and being a contributor to peace rather than running away from it. Running toward the financial hardships all around us rather than running away from it and worrying about it and stockpiling. Whatever we're afraid to face, can you imagine the thing that you don't want to face, facing it with the Lord Jesus, running toward it with his power, rather than running away from it? Imagine meeting the risen Christ in that place and in that fire that you're afraid of and hearing him say, don't be afraid. I've got this. I've got you. Just offer me what you have. Just give me what you have. Give me what you're afraid to let go of. I'm going to be with you in this, and I'm going to bring you home. Imagine our fear turning to joy because we know he's turning the tide. Christ overcame his death, my friends, to secure your life and to secure my life. So let's take his hand now as he extends it, because when this life comes to an end, he will take us to that place he's preparing where every tear is wiped away where every fear turns to joy and where the Easter sunrise never sets on that unshakable city. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.